Find your balance. That is the goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 20 of the show. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSEA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business administration, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. In each episode of the Boost Health podcast, we discuss a new topic and cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts, including fitness training, inspiration, nutrition, biohacks, and wellness products, and give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Each show is only about 20 minutes long, so you can get caught up on past episodes easily if you're a new listener. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general, is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic that surprised you and how well it worked? Those are what we try to uncover here. Thank you to everyone who's been telling a friend, family member, or colleague about the show that you think might enjoy it. That is much appreciated. Another way to support the show is by visiting the website at myboosthealth.com, clicking the Amazon banner at the bottom of the homepage, and then doing some shopping. When you use the Amazon banner, you get to check shopping off your to-do list, and Boost will get a kickback, so everybody wins. One last thing that would really help the show. Please take a few minutes to subscribe to the show, rate the show five stars, and also leave a written review of the show in iTunes. Now, I realize not everyone listens on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, so I've made sure to make the show available on various platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. And if it's not available on the podcast platform that you're using, please let me know. Shoot me an email, and I'll make sure and get it up there. Announcements. The Boost Health Performance Apparel Shop is open until August 15th. As a listener of the show, you can use the code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T in the checkout to get 5% off. You may have seen some of the gear recently on the Boost Health Instagram, Facebook, and Strava feeds, including the strength gear, cycling gear, multi-sport gear, and casual wear. One new piece that I'm really, really excited about is the cycling speed suit. I was so impressed with how sleek and comfortable the triathlon speed suit was, I decided to have one made for cycling. Now, the main difference between the tri-speed suit and the cycling speed suit is the pockets in the back of the top of the kit. Um, There's two big pockets to allow for cycling accoutrements versus the four small pockets for nutrition in the tri-kit. It is so comfortable. I'm not kidding. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to go back to a bib and jersey again for cycling. Seriously, it's, it's that comfortable. Newsletter, if you haven't signed up already for the weekly Boost newsletter, you can do so by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage at myboosthealth.com so you don't miss any of the Boost Health news. Show length. One of the things that folks are letting us know they like about the show is that it's concise, getting lots of good information into the shows in only about 15 or 20 minutes. And this was one of my objectives for the show from the very beginning. As you may have noticed, The shows run a bit longer when I have guests. So to keep the shows concise, I'll actually just break them down into 20-minute segments or so, part one, part two, etc. So you still get all the good information, but in bite-sized chunks. And this is actually the case with the show you're about to hear. All right, 
Now on with the program. Episode 20 of the Boost Health Podcast is titled Reconciling Short Distance and Long Distance Athletes, Virtual Wellness Community and Inspiration, Part 2. If you haven't listened to Part 1 of the show yet, I'd recommend listening to it first as you get to meet Tanner, Dallas, and Mike and hear all their initial thoughts on endurance training and racing. Picking up where we left off. In part two of the show, we pick up where we left off in discussion of understanding what drives endurance athletes. We learn some reasons on why they push themselves to train and race longer and longer distances. The guys mention very interesting points that explain why the long distance stuff satiates their soul. You'll hear them say things like having a need to be scared, curious, motivated, and on a journey. Things that, to me, seem unique to the longer endurance mindset. Later, they share some great stories on racing in the world-famous Dirty Kanza gravel bike race, some training tips, and finally, how they find their balance. I think this is what we're trying to get at. Like, what is the, is there something in the fabric of some of us that just adventurous, curiosity, whatever, that makes you want to go do that and call me afraid of cat, call me not curious enough, whatever that I don't like, what, what is it about it? Yeah. I, I think it's just cause it's there. I mean, if you can, if you can see something, if money was no object, yeah. like there's some stuff out there that, that we'd be doing soon, ready for or not. I'm, I mean, we always get into things that are way over our heads and somehow we, we make it through them and it hurts really bad and you get through it. But yeah, just, I think just cause it's there. I, found out about it and yeah it's i definitely think it's just a a a curiosity piece that you know why not somebody else can do it surely surely we can figure it out together i may not i may not kill it in the process but uh, if somebody else can do it why can't i do it and for me it's the the journey you know that all the work we're having to do to get ready for this iron man is just making me stronger it's it's a motivating factor it's something like there's no way i can ride 112 miles there's, there's no way and then a year later you're doing it and and you're walking away and you're not having to lay down on the ground i mean so it's just it's just a, something to motivate you you got to have something to push you and that's what that's what it is for me I feel like Mike's the only person that's getting stronger out of all of this. Oh, yeah, right. He just hooked me up today and, and had to put me back together and said, man, you're a mess. This running is tearing you up. So I, he's the only person that I know is getting stronger at this point. I feel like I'm just holding off the uh, the inevitable crash before before it gets too close. You guys you guys are modest. You guys are awesome. Don't, don't, don't take anything away from that. I think we found a group of guys that has to have things that, that scare us to to really get behind um if we signed up for a few sprint triathlons this year i don't think we it'd be really easy to just sit on the couch and show up and go do them mm-hmm. but when you sign up for an ironman or you sign up to ride 200 miles on a gravel road <laughs> you damn well better put in the work or or you just you won't be able to do it so okay so that's interesting tan so you said you you need something that scares you yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm Be- n- nervous every time we tow the line. Well, partially because we, we tow the line in the wrong spot, but, <laughs> yeah. but because we, yeah, I, I mean, seems like everyone we, we pick gets bigger and bigger and the, the competitors, while we know we can't beat most of them, 
And there's some pretty awesome people at the front of the line we get to line up with. That's interesting to me too, and I think that's I think that's more of a, an endurance athlete thing. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but putting a race on the calendar is putting an objective out there to train for. But it's not necessarily to scare me because I'm training anyways. Um, I think maybe even for a newbie, maybe it's a little scary if you haven't raced before. But I think there's something else in there. There's another layer in there. Maybe I'm thinking too much about this. I think there's something to needing to be scared. Maybe that's just in the in the challenge of it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you want to get your ass in the pool, put a two and a half mile open water swim on the calendar. <laughs> That'll get you to the pool every morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's, I think here's where my frustration is as a short distance guy. And I, and you guys have heard this too. Um, if you, if you say that you participate in triathlon, you, the first question you get is, Oh, have you done an Ironman? Right. And so my question is, is this because we just want to know how prestigious somebody's athletic career is, or is it just really good marketing from, from Ironman company itself? Ironman to triathlon, if you're, if you're not familiar, you've probably heard of Ironman at least, but it's basically like the brand Band-Aid is for Bandage. I mean, it's synonymous with triathlon um, for a lot of good reasons. But it seems to me, this is opinion, that it's assumed that if, if you're participating in triathlon, but you haven't done the long distance stuff, then you haven't really reached your full potential. And maybe this is just my own baggage. Um. But I think it's it's silly. It's like saying Usain Bolt would have been more impressive if he would have run the mile or the two mile versus versus the hundred meter. But you know the the pure happiness that you see, you know uh, the satisfaction, the pride that you see on the people that finish the, the the finish line at an Ironman race. It's not like any other. It's it's un it's undeniable. It's authentic, and it is inspiring to me. I watch it every year on on NBC. You know the the coverage of of Iron Man. So maybe endurance is about overcoming, overcoming something that's super challenging. I, I think I've sort of heard that with you three guys today. Maybe the longer and more challenging the endurance event is, is more impressive. I'll, I'll agree to that too. Maybe we just need to, maybe for me, <laughs> maybe we just need to name sprint endurance races something else. Maybe, 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 uh, I mean, sprint endurance is, is basically an oxymoron, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? You can just call me a, a wimp for not going farther. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. The, here's the deal. <laughs> Having done both, it's more, I feel like it's more challenging to be in the top three at our local triathlon top three overall than it is to complete an Ironman there. I'm yeah. Just from my experience, it, it's harder I, I have no doubt Paul could go out and you could do an Ironman right now. I, I'm no. certain of that. <laughs> Having been through it and seen the folks that that finish these things, yeah, you you could definitely do it. So, but yeah, you're exactly right. There's something about, and you hit it on the nose. Everybody wants to know, have you done a full? That that's, that is number one question. Um. And I think, you know, I think some of that may be, uh, I hate to say for the less educated, but I think if you're involved in the sports, 
if you're involved in the sport, you can respect the effort that goes to in, to any piece of it. So we we love gravel racing and, and the endurance side of it. And some days we go on rides, and if we get over 13 miles an hour on the ride, we're doing something just because we're in no hurry where we're going and we go where we go. But that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, we can't all appreciate a, you know, half mile sprint to the railroad tracks just just because and then somebody blows you know blows the wheels off of us i mean you appreciate the effort that goes into it and we watch you know we watch all kinds of racing and and um so uh what's the racing that ashton lambie does down here this the um yeah is it track right. racing yeah. track racing I, I have no intentions of ever doing track racing but it's amazing to watch you know the effort he's put into it, you know the skill that goes to it so i think if if you're emerged in the sport and, and you've participated in what it takes to to put a plan together to execute the plan then you can you can have respect for it no matter what it is but i to your point i think from the outside looking in you know it's like when we talk about doing 100 mile gravel when we first thought about doing it we're like you're out of your mind nobody goes (laughs) one rides 100 miles for no reason and two why would you subject yourself to gravel right but now that we do it we're like man 200 sign me up for 350 like what else (laughs) do they got out there and but you know the people who aren't doing it even our wives are like what what are you doing until they get into it? Right. And now they even kind of ask the same thing. Well, have you, you know, have you done 200 yet? Like our mm-hmm. wives are asking that question. So I think it's just a matter of whether or not you've, you've been part of putting the plane in. I think that's really part of what it is. My big thing is, is that you have to choose what you let affect you really, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Like same thing with the dirty canter. You said the half pint, half pint is a 100. So, you know, every time someone says, well, did you do the two or hundred? Are you going to feel bad that you did the hundred? I mean, so that's something personal. You have to decide, well, am I okay with myself? Am I okay with what I did to not let that up, up comment affect you negatively to be like, oh, well, those 200 people, something, something about them, you know, just be okay with where you're at. Be okay with where you're training. You know, you are doing better each time. And that's kind of, you know, I find my Zen and I try to do better each time. I try to do better each month. I try to do better each year. I try to go longer. I try to go faster and I do my thing and I try to be positive and and help people support people and always tell them positive things and leave the negative things out. If someone's negative and someone's always complaining or something, then you you just say goodbye and you get new friends. And that's the kind of things, that's the kind of people I want to surround (laughs) with, you know, you know, in high school and stuff, I had the friends that were always sarcastic, always, you know, you want to find more people that help, help you get along, help you do better. Not the kind of people that bring you down. So it's the same kind of thing. If you're getting comments that are, are saying things, well, have you done a full and, you just say, no, I haven't. I, I, my thing is a sprint and, and I'm happy with that. And that's where I'm at. And you can't let those kind of comments bring you down because you, you're doing great. You, you know, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, you've got this awesome, this company that's going the boost health and you're doing great with it. You're doing these podcasts. I mean, th- these are things that no one else is doing. I mean, so, you know, draw more inspiration from stuff like that than, you know, if someone don't let someone bring it down with a comment. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good, Mikey. I mean, and that's, you know, I think we have that in, in this wellness community and, in any successful wellness community, you, you are going to find yourself on a day where you need to reach up for help. And you are also maybe even in the same day reaching down to help somebody else up. So I, I think that's, yeah, that's a really good point. It should be noted that Mike is the guy who's always reaching down to help. I don't care where you're at. He is uh, the happiest guy, the smilingest guy. <laughs> it can be 200 degrees outside. Everybody's out of water. He's smiling, 
and you may be blowing past him, and he's smiling and telling you, hey, you're doing great, keep going. <laughs> and you're just like, awesome. there's nothing great about this. And he's just smiling, pedaling along. I've never seen him not happy in a race, ever. I think Terry and I have both seen each other not happy in a race, but never seen Mikey not happy in a race. And you get something from that. I mean, there's there's an emotional piece that, that we feed off of when it comes to Mikey and, and his support, for certain. So ha- having that, posit- that positivity... Is, is something else for certain. Yeah, I've noticed you guys, you know, commenting on social media and on, on Strava about Mikey and how he was inspiration for you guys, you know, on, on various occasions and for various reasons. That's that's awesome. All right. So to finish up this reconciliation, I'm feeling better about things. Hopefully you guys are too. Um, so this is where I was and I feel better about it. Um you know, to an endurance athlete, you know, me wanting to just do fast, short races, it might seem wimpy or, or half, half-hearted. Uh, but as we talked about, you know, if you really bust your tail in these short races, they can actually be super challenging in their own way. And the reality is I probably won't change minds of, you know, the endurance athletes that my preference for short distance is okay or, or cool or, or maybe even respectable. And hopefully someday I can be okay with that. I definitely feel a little bit better about it today. Let me add a little comment in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that that right there is – so that's not good friends. You know, that's not how this this, this works. If we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not in here to, to judge you as far as that goes. Uh, when someone does sprint, someone does anything, even if they're doing duathlons or anything that like uh, – anything that I would not personally do, I don't look down on them. I mean, we're all doing stuff. We're all doing it together. So never once has it ever come to my mind that, you know, that a sprint is a bad thing. That a sprint's a whippy thing. Not once right. ever. So, you know, that I'm, anybody that's like that, that's bringing you down, you need to get rid of them. I mean, I, that's in my opinion. I would always just be building you up no matter what you do. I mean, whatever you do is good. It's awesome. Keep, keep doing it. The only time we get pissed is when we see guys not doing the work. That's the, that's the only time that there's and like you said on straw like you know what everybody's doing and when we're all signed up to do something and that somebody's not doing the work that yeah that's that's frustrating for mm-hmm. everybody yeah that's that accountability piece you're talking <laughs> yeah. about like yeah. you can't post everything on Strava and then stop posting on Strava <laughs> <laughs> we're watching you <laughs> yeah. yeah and really and really the only reason why that that's aggravating is because. It, then we we have to pull back to go back to your speed so that we're not leaving you so that we're helps keep supporting you but we put the work in and you didn't put the work in so that's the only time it gets frustrating you know as far as that goes and so you know, on those time things you just everybody just does their own thing and you know you just, you just all go and you're all still supportive of each other because there might be other reasons why you couldn't put the work in that someone else could put the work in so uh, th- that's the only reason and I think, you know, just in the spirit of of being an endurance athlete, just by nature or by heart, it's just part of your fabric where you're not even thinking necessarily about this guy really does just like to go short and fast. They're like they're almost trying to encourage you onto that next level without fully understanding that maybe you are trying to specialize in, in something different. And so they're not even necessarily trying to bring you down. They're just trying to help you get encouraged to the next level. Maybe they see potential in you to go, go beyond that, even if you're not trying to. So I think, uh, probably not taking things as personally as, as 
one of the most important things. But I think there's something out there in the community, um, and I don't think we're going to solve it today necessarily, but I think there's just, there's a need for more respect across the board for whatever, you know, triathlon versus roadies or gravel versus roadies or runners on the road versus trail runners. I mean, you, you, you name it, there's some sort of competition out there and it's almost like we're saying, well, this is our team and we're better and, and not having that mutual respect. And I think there's, there's more, there's a need for more mutual respect across the board and positive encouragement. And make sure, you, you know, if there's not, you just get rid of them. You just you try, try, <laughs> to find, try to find something new. I, I, I was at the pool the other day and there was a gentleman and he was just swimming 25 yards, sprinting them. And, you know, of course, I that's not very far for us, but he was had a wave in front of him. And so I went over there and said, man, this is awesome. You're doing amazing. I mean, you have a wave, a six-inch wave in front of your head. That's how fast you're going. And so it's the same thing. It's a respect and just let them know, hey, that's amazing. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you know, it's other people putting their stuff on you is, is what is, is the problem. So you, you, got, you recognize that and then you move on. All right, boys. Anything else on reconciliation? We do it on that? Okay. Well, we can we can jump back on it if if we if we miss something. But I want to move on to to gravel cycling, and I want to be respectful of your time. So, gravel cycling has become extremely popular in recent years. Um, actually, according to a 2017 article article in BicycleAdventures.com, gravel bike sales are the fastest growing category in bike sales. Probably not surprising to you guys in this room, but this is global. Also, more and more gravel races are popping up around the world. I don't currently own a gravel bike, and I'd heard such great things from these guys in the room and some of our other buddies that I really wanted to buy one and just keep it here in the U.S. whenever we come back for for summer holiday. And Tanner actually very kindly suggested that I could borrow his gravel bike. He had moved on to, to Ironman road training for Wisconsin. And so it was really, really kind of him, really generous of him to... So let me borrow it. It's a, it's a really sweet bike. And, uh, I, I did, uh, I fairly good job of taking care of it. I, I was trying to be careful, but also have fun and be aggressive on the gravel at the same time. So he let me borrow it for almost three weeks. And I, I really appreciate that. But I quickly fell in love with sort of, uh, the hum of the tires on the gravel. And, you know, as you heard the recording quality of the audio began to get poor. Unfortunately, the rest of the recording is corrupted with poor audio quality. So what I'm going to do is just summarize uh, what me and the guys covered in the remainder of the show. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, it was some good stuff, but I'm going to do my best to, to summarize it as best I can. So I was saying I really enjoyed riding on gravel while back in Kansas, taking in the serenity of being out on the quiet country roads. I had ridden my 29er mountain bike quite a bit on gravel, but this specially designed gravel bike made it much more enjoyable. It added speed and comfort, agility and control. So Tanner, Dallas, and Mikey, along with a few other buddies that couldn't join us for the podcast, actually participated in the world famous Dirty Kanza this year. And in case you're not familiar with the Dirty Kanza or DK for short, it's a world renowned gravel bike race here in Kansas. They have numerous distances to compete in, including 25, 50, 100, and 200 miles, and a secret challenge race that's over 300 miles. The race is well known for its unknowns, including weather and road conditions. 
Also, for those of you who don't know, Kansas isn't flat, especially in the Flint Hills where the race cuts through. The DK is certainly famous in Kansas since it's located here, but I was surprised and pleased when I talked with my training buddies back in Hong Kong that the DK is actually quite well known globally, at least in the cycling community. With the popularity and unique style of this race, I thought it would be great to have the guys share some of their favorite moments. Dallas was up first. He described the beginning of the DK 200 race. He made it sound like blissful chaos at the start, where over 2,000 riders were lined up in no particular order and set to take off down narrow gravel roads fighting for initial position. One neat element of this type of race is that you could be lining up right next to a world-class athlete who may be actually looking to win the event. Dallas mentioned the first hour is pretty tense and tight, where it isn't uncommon to bump shoulders of other riders and put hands on other riders' backs for balance. He said after that first hour, things finally start to break apart and you can settle in a bit. And then Tanner was next and he told the story of how he got in front of a group for a bit and did a good long pull and was feeling great, but then was shortly after plagued with some leg cramps that would not go away. This was at about mile 130 out of 200. Eventually, he had to tell Dallas to go ahead without him as he didn't want to hold him back. When Dallas reluctantly left Tanner, he pushed ahead and ran into several groups of riders that he rode in with and finished the race in strong fashion. Now, this sounds scary to me. Tanner is cramping badly out in the middle of nowhere. Now, this race occurs in the countryside of rural Kansas, and it is an unsupported race. It wasn't like he could just stop and take a taxi home if he totally bonked. He needed to finish, and now he had to do it all alone. Now, he rode as carefully as he could to try to avoid cramping and slowly slogged along. To add insult to injury, he and a group of other riders were stopped by a broken down train just 10 miles from the finish line. Now, this group ended up having to get rerouted and go several extra miles to go around the train. So you're already riding 200 miles, and then you have to go some additional mileage to go around a stalled train. Now, thankfully, both Tanner and Dallas finished the race, which was their key objective. But they also got credit for beating the sun, which is another goal for many DK racers and trying to finish before sundown. And then Mike tells his story of racing in the DK 100. His start was similar to what we heard in the 200, where it's jam-packed to begin on the narrow gravel roads. He unfortunately got stuck behind a slower pack and also caught a flat tire going over a cattle guard. Later, he ran into a large patch of mud on the road that was so deep and thick that he had to walk and carry his bike for over 40 minutes. Now, Despite both of these setbacks, he still had a great day out there, and he felt much stronger than he did the previous year. And he mentioned something that's important, especially in a race like this. Because of the crazy conditions everyone was in, it set back everybody's completion times. So in a race like this, your completion time may not be the best metric for fitness progress, since the course will be different, conditions will be different, participants around you will be different, etc. So just set your goal on having a good day out there, a good strong day out there in a race like this. And we rounded out our gravel bike discussion with some controversial chat, actually, on group riding and aero bars. The guys mentioned that more and more riders are using aero bars in gravel races. Now, as is always the case with aero bars, whether on road or otherwise, 
safety can be a concern. Now, we collectively agreed that one can ride safely on aero bars when you're out in front of a pack or on your own. After riding on aero bars on TT bikes for years, it felt natural for me to go into that aero bar position when I was borrowing Tanner's gravel bike. It makes a huge difference when you're alone going into a headwind or out in front of a group pulling. The guys also mentioned that it appears there's more and more strategy and group work in the mix on these gravel races. And this is clearly to make use of drafting advantage through the harsh Kansas winds, especially in a long race like this. And some folks are fine with folks grouping together and drafting and using arrow bars, while others feel it takes away from the rawness of a gravel race. One way or another, it doesn't sound like anything is going to change anytime soon on those. Racing slash training tips, tricks, and hacks. Everyone comes out of a season of training and racing with lots of lessons, tips, and hacks. Now, they may seem super personal or obvious, but someone out there will likely find them useful, so I thought we would each share a few big ones that have helped us. A few of mine include full body strength training. Those of you that have been following me for a while are probably not surprised by that, but it is often neglected by endurance athletes. Do full body strength training three times per week, and it will be your secret weapon as an endurance athlete, I promise you. And next... For sprint length races, if early in the morning, try doing them fasted to avoid stomach discomfort. Keep an ongoing spreadsheet of your gear requirements for race day and use this as a checklist. Freeze water bottles overnight for summer races. This one's really nice because it doesn't take long for your water bottle to melt out there in the hot summer sun, but you'll actually have some nice cool water in the race instead of warm water. Do short double bricks. So what I mean by this, for example, is if you're training for a multi-sport race that has biking and running, you could do a double brick, for example, 15 minute bike, then a 15 minute run, then a 15 minute bike, then a 15 minute run back to back for a one hour workout. It's really good for practicing transitions and to prep your legs for the movement from bike to run. And finally, hills are your friend. Find one and do repeats on it for cycling and running. It'll make you a lot stronger. And then I asked the guys if they had any tips or tricks that they wanted to share. Mike mentioned that preparation on race night is huge. Mike even likes to start his prep two nights before to make sure nothing is forgotten. He also suggests varying your intensity based on heart rate for overall endurance fitness. And Dallas echoed Mike's thoughts on heart rate training and has been having very good results keeping his heart rate in zone two for most of his training. Dallas said it helps to recognize what your abilities are and don't try to compare yourself to others. For example, he stopped worrying he was always 10 beats higher than Tanner in heart rate in the same workouts. And Dallas suggests that you shouldn't be afraid to try something new. And I love this one because it's really the theme of Boost Health. And then Tanner talked about how nutrition is critical. Tanner discussed how he and I have actually been on plant-based nutrition for a long time and it's been an absolute game changer for us in a lot of respects. He also mentioned how Dallas started on plants earlier this year, and he's actually dropped about 40 pounds, and now nobody can keep up with him when uh, cycling up hills. Tanner also talked about how it is important to surround yourself with people that make you better, and how that goes beyond just training and racing, but also how it expands into your families. And to finish off the show, I always ask guests how they find their balance. And so I asked the guys, what are some things that they do to find their balance? 
And Mike started off. He said, his wife finds the balance for him. And we all laughed at this, but it really is true. A spouse, a friend, a coach, a loved one can be extremely helpful in finding your balance. Whether it is helping you understand if you're training too hard, training too much, or having mood changes, for example, having external feedback can be really helpful. And Dallas was next, and he agreed that family really does help you find your balance. And he also said that endurance sport helps him find his balance as he has time to work through things in his head while putting in the long hours of training. And then Tanner was up and he concurred with the need to have balance with family and training. In order to assist with this, he and his family actually have a really great plan. They actually put his weekly training schedule on the refrigerator for everyone to see. The brilliant part is he actually says what he needs to accomplish for each week. And then he lets his wife say where in the week each training would work best for the family. This type of preparation can help you be a more involved parent versus dead on the couch with the whole day ruined. And Tanner also mentioned that choosing your races carefully around family activities is helpful too. I was so impressed how all three of these guys talked about family in their discussions on what helps them find their balance. This just goes to show what excellent dads these men are. A lot of athletes may have responded with how they balance out their training for endurance, strength, flexibility, mental strength, etc. Instead, they talked about how they make their intense training schedules work with their families and how it becomes a lifestyle for everyone in the family. Training and racing doesn't have to be done in a silo. Let your family in. Let them help with the decisions on your schedule. Involve them in your training. Let them help you find your balance. Thank you so much for listening. Also, thank you very much to my good friends, Tanner Tenbrink, Dallas McCarter, and Mike Oliver for joining the show. I'm sorry the audio quality forced me to summarize the last part of our discussion. I think I have the issue fixed now, so it should be smooth going forward. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes. You can follow my workouts and Boost Health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for My Boost Health. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. Also, don't forget, order your Boost Health gear as the shop will only be open until August 15th. You can use the code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, at the checkout to get 5% off. Until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Tanner, Dallas, and Mike saying goodbye and find your balance.